remain standing until we finish reading. Acts 27, I'm going to begin at verse 20. I encourage you to read this whole chapter. There's so much in this chapter. Amen. We're already behind schedule. I don't know how God's going to do it, but I'm believing he's going to do it. Verse number 20, Acts 27, beginning at verse number 20. I read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to read it in the NIV. You're going to see it up there in the King James. So just follow me. And the word of the Lord says it's so today. Hallelujah. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued to rage. How many of you know sometimes the storm just continues to rage? We finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. Neglect will cost you. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong, listen to him talking here. He said, I know who I belong to. Do you? Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. Won't he do it? And said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. Oh, I can't. He gives him a word concerning his future so that he can endure his present. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously, this will bless a parent in here. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. They don't got it together, but because they're sailing with you. Grace is being extended to them. It matters who you connect with. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage that's a word for somebody so keep up your courage men for I have faith in God that it will happen look at somebody real quick and say it will happen it will happen just as he told me nevertheless we must run aground on some island on the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sensed that we were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found that it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. Hear that somebody. Unless these men stay with the ship, 
You cannot be saved. That's a word for somebody in here. Do not abandon ship. Sometimes because of the pressure you want to run. Do not abandon Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboats and let it drift away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. I'm almost done. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense. I wonder if that's anybody under the sound of my voice. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you, take some food. You need it to survive. And here it goes. Not one of you will lose a single hair from your head. Look at somebody real quick. Hallelujah. Let them know we all going to make it. I said we all going to make it. Hallelujah. There's going to be a price, but we all are going to make it. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah, Jesus. I struggled with my title for this message because there's so much in this text. And when I was thinking about the storm, I thought about a couple of movies and I said, well, I'm going to call it Into the Storm. Then I said, I'm going to call it The Perfect Storm. And then I said, I'm going to call it the quiet storm. Then I said, I'm going to call it storm rider. But then something popped in my head because I just came back from Walt Disney with my family. So you got to bear with me. And so I decided to call this message on behalf of the Apostle Paul. Because this is who he is to me. Put that up on the screen. Put the title up on the screen. That ain't it. When I think about this man and all that he has overcome, a storm is a metaphor for trouble that comes into your life. But this man was a storm trooper. And I wonder if I got any of them in the house tonight, today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless this word and minister to your people in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I got a lot to say and a little bit of time to say it. So grab your pen. Hallelujah. I'm going to go quick. I'm going to try to avoid the rabbit trails and stick to my notes. Hallelujah. Sometimes that works out. Sometimes that does not. But we're just going to let God be God. Amen. When, when, when I think about a stormtrooper, now let me just give you a Hollywood's definition of, of a stormtrooper in regards to the famous movie Star Wars. Uh, a stormtrooper, watch this now, is a non-cloned recruit. A non-cloned recruit. And watch this, imperial cadet that is subjected to rigorous training under intense circumstances in order to produce a highly trained trooper that could withstand all the elements, watch this, and fiercely be loyal to the empire. And I thought about that and I said, I wonder if God has some of those soldiers. I said to myself, because God could use, watch this, some non-cloned recruits. In other words, some originals. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Elite disciples that are willing to allow themselves to go through some rigorous training under intense, watch this, 
elements and circumstances in order to become highly trained stormtroopers that would fiercely be loyal to God's kingdom. And my question is, do I got some in the place today? Amen. Let's get into this story. Very quickly, let me, let me put a backdrop on this. Paul right now at this phase in Acts 27, he is in the process of being sent to Rome. For those of you who don't know, you read the previous chapter. Paul is attempting to defend himself. Now, normally people will tell you, do not be your own lawyer. But Paul is attempting to defend and advocate for himself and defend his cause. In doing so, he makes an appeal to Caesar. So he's going to stand before Caesar. Most would recommend that he shouldn't have done that. But he does it because he senses purpose telling him, I must go to Rome. And so watch this. He's being sent to Rome. Here's the thing, though. In order to get to Rome, he has to go through the sea. The only way through Rome is through the sea, which means that there is going to be uncertainty on the journey. And I just want to submit to somebody in this place that I hear God saying that for where I'm taking you next, uh, the next place that's going to move you closer to your destiny, watch this, is going to require that you be willing to move into a place of uncertainty. It may be that you have to move, watch this, upon troubled waters. I hear God saying, hallelujah, for where I want to take you, you have to be willing to go through it in order to get to it. I said you have to be willing to go through it in order to get to it. Amen, somebody. Now, oftentimes when we talk about life, most people refer to life as being a journey. Metaphorically speaking, I've heard people say things like, we are journeying through the sea of life. But how many of you in this place know that when you journey into the sea, you have to understand that there are forces that are beyond us. I said there are forces that are beyond our control. Are you in this place, church? And so we don't want to make the mistake, watch this, to fool ourselves into thinking that we are the captain of our own ship. If you understand that there are forces and circumstances that are outside of you, that you cannot control, do not make the mistake to fool yourself into thinking that you are the captain of your own ship. Are you in this place, church? Hmm. If you're blessed, shout glory. I like this story because that blows this myth right out of the water. Because it begins to let you understand through the story that when it comes to your destiny, you do not decide it, you discover it. I said when it comes to your destiny, you do not decide it, you discover it. According to Ephesians chapter 1, you have been predestined by God. Which pretty much means pre before destined short for destination so watch this i knew your destination from before from even before you were born hallelujah god knew are you understanding what i'm saying i can't get into that because i've already dealt with that in our purpose series for the last four weeks hallelujah so if you want to learn more about that go ahead and get that series hallelujah but in talking about storms watch this paul will let us know that in his journey to rome uh, the journey tells of various conditions and all these conditions have an impact on how his journey went 
if the Apostle Paul was here, he would testify that there were waves and there were winds that were dictating where and how the ship he was in was faring. And these waves and these winds were outside of his human control. Can I say something in here? Can I just submit to you, watch this, that storms are no respecter of persons. I said storms are no respecter of persons. Storms don't care who you are. Storms ain't interested in your status, uh, who you are, your ethnicity, your name, or your title. Storms are coming. As a matter of fact, the Bible puts it like this in a parable. Whether you build your house on the sand or whether you build your house upon the rock, the storm is coming to beat upon both houses. So what's the takeaway from that parable? Here's the takeaway. Storms come to test foundations. I said storms come to test foundations. If you find yourself in a storm, you have to understand that your foundation is being tested. We want to find out if you're bottom heavy. We want to find out if you have staying power. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. Let me submit to you that we're talking about the Apostle Paul. We're not talking about Jonah. So please don't make the mistake to think that this storm is coming to his life because he's running away from the call of God. He's not running away from the call of God. I would dare say that the storm is coming because he's actually answered <laughs> the call of God. And what I'm really trying to get at is this. Storms are inevitable. Whether you're running from the call of God or running to the call of God, you will face storms. There will be circumstances that will invade your life like intruders that you didn't open the door to. That will come in and I wonder if I got anybody that could be real in here and say, I, I hear what you're saying, Pastor, because I'm going through some stuff right now that I didn't ask for and I didn't sign up for, hallelujah, but it was out of my, it was out of my control, hallelujah. We realize that the sea has this, has this ability, it has this quality to watch this at one moment be very quaint. And be uh, very calm. Amen, somebody. Even rhythmical at times. Hallelujah. And then at another moment, it can be furious and even frightening and raging. Are you in this place, church? I said all that to basically say this. We make plans, but at the end of the day, those plans are subject to forces outside of us. Oh, God, have mercy in here. You could decide, hallelujah, that you're going to have a picnic outside and plan it all real nice. But the elements, the weather can have a say without your permission. Because it's out of your, God help me in here, on whether or not you're going to have a successful event or day. Are you following what I'm saying in here? So because we understand that there are circumstances and forces that are outside of us, I'm still amazed at how sometimes we, watch this, either individually or collectively look to ourselves to attempt to save the day. Like you could. And we put more trust in man than we put in God. It is, watch this now, the false belief of self-sufficiency and the false belief of self 
dependence, which is actually the product of our falling state due to sin, and is now our current situation and condition. Amen, somebody. I want you to notice in this story, when you, when you go over it, and even through the text that we read, watch this, how all the people on the boat, except for one, are trying with all their might to maintain control, take control, and be in control to no avail. Are you in this place? Let me give you some proof. In verse 17, they tied ropes around the ship because it was breaking apart in an attempt to keep it together. And we do the same thing. We try our own strength when stuff is falling apart to keep it together, right? Uh, in verse 18, they used anchors in an attempt to stabilize the ship in the storm. But that wasn't working. Watch this. If that wasn't enough, they started throwing cargo, then the tackle, then the grain, and eventually they end up jumping off the ship because all of their efforts to save themselves did not work. Are you in this place, church? So when reading this, we have to learn a very important and valuable lesson. Here it is. Ultimately, in life, we are not in control. I said, we don't like that. See, we don't like that right there because we like the idea of being in control. But ultimately, in life, we are not in control. There will be circumstance, circumstances that you didn't sign up for that will come. I wonder if I got anybody in here who knows what I'm talking about. And you're probably thinking to yourself, watch this. So, 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 so if, it's inevitable, if it's inevitable, then what do I do? Do I just do nothing? Do I give up? Do I blame everyone and everything else? For my situation, no, that's not what you do. But you need to accept the fact that life is filled with circumstances that are beyond you. I'm trying to teach, preach a little bit. Can I do it? Amen. Hallelujah. I hope I get to the good stuff. Watch this. So if it's inevitable and circumstances beyond my control are coming, then what matters is how I manage these circumstances when they come. How I manage the circumstances and where I draw my strength from is going to mean everything and it's going to be of the utmost importance. Why? Because if I decide that I'm going to run my life like I'm the captain of my ship and I decide that I'm going to run my life based on my own strength, let me help you in here. What happened to them is going to happen to you. So what happened to them? Let me give you a couple things that happened to them. One of the first things that happened was that they were driven off course. Understand that that's what a storm comes to do. A storm comes to knock you off course. Number two, they were being beaten and battered by the violent winds and the waves. That's what a storm comes to do. It comes to push you around. It comes to beat you back, to toss you to and fro. Another thing was that it left them confused with no sense of direction. Now you have to understand when you read this whole text, the Bible says that it got so dark that the storm covered the sun, the moon, and the stars. And they were in not just darkness, but gross darkness. They were in total darkness and they didn't have a compass and nor did they have the technology in that day. So watch this, they didn't know where they were going 
because of the storm. And that's what a storm will do. At that point, they became, watch this now, hopeless. The text says that they lost all hope. And you don't have to shout amen. I know some of us have been there. But we say, I give up. Come on, somebody. If that wasn't enough, they were hungry. If that wasn't enough, they experienced tremendous loss, according to the text. All this due to the storm. But I want to help somebody in here. Put the first thing I want to say up there. God does not promise the absence of storms, but he does promise that he will not be absent in storms. Uh, let me say that one more time. God does not promise the absence of storms, but he does promise that he will not be absent in storms. And so watch this now. Even like them, if you find yourself, watch this, in a storm and you're being tossed to and fro and you've lost direction, hallelujah, and you're full of uncertainty because you don't know how this is going to pan out and you are afraid, hallelujah. I hear God saying, just because you're losing does not mean I'm leaving. God, help me in here. Just because you're losing does not mean I'm leaving. There's a promise in the scripture to the saint that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you i serve a god who is a present help in the time of trouble i serve a god who goes by the name of jehovah shama jehovah shama means he is the lord that is there i serve a god that's not just coming he's already there the moment there's a problem there's his presence god help me in here How, are you hearing what i'm saying he didn't say there wouldn't be storms but he did say, whenever there is a storm, I'll be there. That's why the scripture says, when you go through the flood, I'll be there with you. When you go through the fire, I'll be there with you. The Hebrew boys will tell you he's the fourth man in the fire. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Mm. So watch this. Besides the forces of nature, besides forces, besides dealing with forces unseen, because there are those too, the fowls of the air, satanic forces, heavenly forces that are taking place in heavenly places, the Bible declares, in the realm called the unseen realm, the spiritual realm. Hallelujah. I got to deal with those forces. I also got to deal with nature. How many of you know that sometimes life just happens? Everything ain't the devil. Let me just throw that out there because we got a habit of blaming the devil for everything. I think sometimes we give him too much credit. He's not omnipresent like your God. He's not everywhere at the same time. He can't be causing all that. Amen. But watch this. Besides forces that are unseen, besides the forces of nature, watch this. I have to deal with another force, uh, another factor. It is the human factor because while I deal with the unseen and while I deal with the forces of nature I also have to deal with some people uh, I, I got to deal with some folk 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? And here's what you have to understand. Some of the people that you have to deal with, watch this, are people who are in power, people who are in position, people who are in places, watch this, where their decisions impact your lives and you are subject to the decisions that some people make. Oh, God, if, if you know this story like I do, hallelujah, you will find out that even though Paul is a man of God, and even though Paul has a great calling upon his life, watch this, Paul even uses his gift to warn them and to foretell them we should not go on this journey. And if we go on this journey, I perceive that it's going to lead to trouble and much loss, maybe even the loss of our lives. And even though Paul gives them the word of God, uses his gift and operates in his calling, he's still on the boat. Because while he's a man of God, he's not in charge. He is subject, God help me in here, to some of the decisions that other people are making. So watch this. You have to understand that there are people in your life you chose. But then there are people in your life you did not choose. You know what? I choose my friends. Hallelujah. I didn't choose my parents. I didn't choose my background. I didn't choose my culture, my race. These are things that were chosen for me, can I submit to you, hallelujah, that watch this, your parents can make decisions that can ultimately affect your life and it would be outside of your control. I wish that when I was growing up, I got to choose all my teachers. But I didn't. I wish I did because I would have substituted some. <laughs> you always have your favorite. I, I know my son will say amen when we talk all the time about school. My, my, there's some teachers that are great and then there's some that you, I mean, maybe just just your opinion, but you don't think are great. And, but you didn't get to choose them. But the decisions that they make do affect your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? There, there are people in places of authority. Amen. Uh, whether it could be law enforcement, lawyers, the decisions that these individuals make can affect your life life. Watch this. Sometimes you're privileged to pick your employer. That'd be real nice. I'm working for you. That'd be real nice. But sometimes you just get to choose your profession and you need a foot in the door. So you got to go in no matter how, you know, you can get in. Even if you have to work for a person. But I will submit to you that whether you chose them or not, decisions that they make in that company can affect your, are you with me so far? Am I doing all right? Watch this. Your government is going to make decisions that's going to affect your life. This present administration is going to make decisions that are going to affect your life, whether positive or negative. Understand that there are people in your life whose decisions you are subject to. Are you in this place? I want you to look at something with me, hallelujah, because I believe that it's worth observing how the decisions were made on this particular boat. And I like to study and I like to see all the characters. When I look at this story, I see several characters in this story. I see sailors, I see soldiers, I see slaves, and I see saints. And I'll explain those in just a moment if I get through all of them. Amen, hallelujah. But watch this. I want to begin with the sailors. Amen. Something very interesting about the text when it comes to the sailors. Hallelujah. Show me verse 30. I wish I had it in the NIV. Hallelujah. But show me verse 30. You know what? I'm going to go to it because I like the way the NIV says this particular verse. 
So let me just find it and I'll read it. You can read it up there. Watch this. Well, listen to what it says about these sailors. Now, here's the problem. Most of us will put our trust in the sailors because they're sailors. They know how to navigate. So we're going to depend on them to get us through the storm, right? But watch these sailors. Watch out with these sailors. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down in the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Did you hear what I just said? Do not be surprised. I'm going to help somebody. Do not be surprised when people you put your trust in disappoint you the most. Do not be surprised when people you put your trust in disappoint you the most. I want you to catch what these sailors were doing. The people are in distress. They're looking to the sailors. And the sailors basically say, and I paraphrase, and I pra um, uh, paraphrase hold tight. We're going to go and we're going to lower anchors. And while everybody was relieved for a moment thinking the sailors got this, they're, they're for us. They weren't releasing anchors. They were releasing lifeboats <laughs> so that they can get in and leave everybody else on the boat to die. Watch out with those sailors. They're the ones that sail in when things are good, but will sail right out. When things are bad. And so what I learned from this is simply this. Even we need to seriously consider our motives even when we're doing something good. Consider your motive even when you're doing something good. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? Because just because you did a good thing does not mean you did it with good motives. What you did was good, but your intentions. Watch this. These guys were acting in support of, but in essence, were acting for themselves. They were acting like they were supporting others, but secretly just looking out for themselves are you hearing what I'm saying in other words they are pretending to be a help in the salvation of others but are only interested in saving themselves and whether you know it or not there are many people who try to hide their secret securities yeah yeah secret securities and so watch this they do selfish things under the pretense of helping others. Out of love. But in essence, all they're doing is trying to save themselves. God have mercy in this place. Be weary of Pharisees who do good unto others for the praises of men. Because sometimes it's not just to save our own skin. We do good because we want recognition. Oh boy, I'm losing them over there. Let me come over here. They're looking at me funny over there. Listen, we'll do good. The Pharisees often did good, even when it came to spiritual things like prayer. 
they would pray in public places, according to Matthew 6, to be heard of men with their much speaking so that they could be esteemed. And God said, watch this, if you do it for men, you, the reward you get will be from men. But if you do it for me, and when you pray, you enter the secret place where I hang out, where I take attendance, hallelujah, then the God who sees in secret will reward you openly, hallelujah. If you do it for me, I'll reward you, and I am rich and unlimited in resource. Are you in this place, church? If you're blessed, shout glory. Can I be real in here? That clock is moving so fast. Can I be real in here? Hallelujah. I'm going to help somebody. And at the same time, I'm going to mess somebody's theology up. Watch this. Doing good is a work that cannot save you. I'm going to mess somebody up. I said, doing good is a work that cannot save you. In other words, according to the scripture, you are not saved by works. So watch this. Throw my next point up there. I believe it's the next point. I might be. Well, I already said that. Be mindful of, mindful of individuals. Okay. Here it goes. Cut the ropes to your false securities. Cut the ropes to your false security. In other words, doing good is a work that cannot save you. Do you know that there are millions of people, including some Christians, that believe, watch this, that their lifeboat are their good works? Now, I'm going to blow that doctrine right out the window right now. Show me, show me Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. You guys doing all right? Hallelujah. You were shouting and praising a little while ago. We're going to get back to that. Watch this. For by grace are you saved through what? Faith, belief, and that not of yourselves. You ain't going to save yourself. God, help me here. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. If you can earn it, it ceases to be a gift. Watch, show me the next verse. God, help me. You can't put it plainer than that. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Nobody is going to be admitted into heaven talking about what they've done. You're going to have to go up into heaven humbly waiting for him to say, well done. <laughs> Understanding, watch this, that I don't do to be. I be Therefore, I do. Now, that's not good English, but that sounds all right. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In other words, I don't do to become. I become through the finished work of Jesus. Then I'm called to do good works. Ah, God, are you following what I'm saying? You cannot earn your way into heaven by the things you do. You are saved through faith. I don't enter through my works. I enter through believing in his work. 
understanding that that was a complete work. And now I don't work to get saved. I work as a result of being saved. God have mercy in here. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Now, with no doubt, I, these things that I just mentioned, watch this, are good. And they should be done with tremendous enthusiasm. But if you make your works your lifeboat, you're going to drown. If you put all your faith, all your trust in your secret security, you're going to drown. If you make the mistake to assume that there's another way to get saved, you're going to drown. If you make the mistake to assume that there are many ways that lead to God and you can get on different lifeboats that are going to take you to the same place, you're going to drown. In verse 31, the apostle Paul told them, see, I love this, hallelujah, because while they were lowering those lifeboats so that they could get in, pretending, had everybody fooled, telling them, watch this, I'm lowering the anchors for us. While they were getting ready to get in that lifeboat, the apostle Paul spoke up <laughs> and told the soldier to tell the sailors, tell those men that the only way they can get saved is by staying in the ship. In other words, listen to what the Apostle Paul is saying. Any attempt on your part to save yourself is not going to work. To think that there's another way to assume that you can save yourself, to make the tremendous mistake, to, 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 to even contemplate that you are worthy of heaven. To assume that you are good enough to get there. When my Bible says there are none that's good. And all have sinned. All of us. And come short of the glory of God. If you can save yourself, Jesus wasted his time. The reason Jesus came is because all have sinned. And all have fallen short of the glory of God. And all of us are in need of a savior. And you just missed a real good place to give him a praise break. Ooh. Instead of trying to drop lifeboats like these sailors, instead of trying to run away from the father, I don't know what's wrong with some of us. Running away from the father like the prodigal. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When in essence, what you need to do is stay on the ship. In Noah's Ark, the way you got saved was by getting in the boat. That boat was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is my ark. In Christ, I'm safe. But outside of the hands of Jesus Christ, there is no security. In other, words, in other words, the apostle Paul is saying, the only way you get saved is one. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. And nobody comes to the Father 
if not through him, you don't have to like it. It is the truth. Hallelujah. Yes, he is exclusive. And yes, the kingdom of God is broad, but it only has one door. And Jesus is the door. And if you're going to enter, you got to come. Somebody shout, Jesus. Jesus. The amazing thing is that they listened to Paul and they cut the ropes. And so I'm challenging you to do what they did. Cut the ropes to your false securities. You can't save yourself. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, that was the sailors. Then there's the soldiers. Give me a couple minutes. I'm almost done. Then there's the soldiers. Now, here's the thing that gets me. There's a particular soldier in this story. His name is Julius. God grants Paul favor through this man. And this man, he, he recognizes Paul as a man of God. But just because somebody recognizes you as a man of God don't mean they're going to follow your advice. So for all the ministers in here, don't get upset. Don't flip out. Don't get discouraged when you give someone advice and they don't follow it. Amen. You're going to learn through this story. The Bible says that the centurion was more persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship than by what was being said by Paul. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so Paul was trying to give them revelation. He told them, listen, this trip is not going to fare well for us. But they went with, you know, the majority. Which leads me to the next thing I want to say to you, hallelujah, which are three reasons that people make bad decisions. I'm going to give you three reasons right out of this text why people make bad decisions. Maybe sit here and act cute if you want to and act like you've never made a bad decision. Amen. Hallelujah. But uh, I need some people that will be real in the house tonight. Watch this. Uh, three reasons people make bad decisions. Number one, they receive bad advice from experts. Just because somebody claims to be an expert doesn't mean they're giving you sound advice. God help me in this place. Now, normally, I, we're not going to lie. We turn to the expert because we believe that they have information that, that we could use concerning a particular thing. Amen. So I don't necessarily blame them kind of for leaning that way because that is the human nature. Are you following what I'm saying? But the apostle Paul had revelation. Are, are you hearing me? And sometimes, listen, uh, the advice you're getting could sound good. But just because it sounds good doesn't mean it's godly. God, have mercy in this place. And the next reason is that they have wrong perception of the circumstances. See, what happens in the world and most people is they go by what they see. And if you know this story, they went by what they saw and information that they had. So they were at one particular place and they said, you know, this place is not good for the winter. The, uh, the, the, the weather is changing. Winter's coming. And I don't think it's a good idea that we stay here. So then they saw that a, a gentle breeze was coming and decided that's the key right there. That's, that's a sign for us to sail away. Are you following me? But they're going by what they see. Now, I just came from Florida. And for anybody who's been in Florida, you know that at one moment it could be sunny. And the next moment, in no time, it could be pouring rain. And so watch this. <laughs> I have to be careful how I make my decision on moving forward because it could look good. It could feel good, but I'll still be on my way into a storm. God have mercy in here. Can I help you? Ladies, he could look good. And the situation feel good. But you could be on your way 
into a hurricane. <laughs> the men are looking at me funny. Don't worry, we're going to the men's retreat. We're going to have a good time over there. Amen. Hallelujah. Wrong perception of the circumstances. Amen. Watch this. Number three, they followed the crowd. They followed the crowd. Most people will go with the majority. So they heard what Paul had to say, but then they had a little meeting and they went with the majority. What the pilot was saying, what the captain was saying, and they ignored what Paul was saying. Can I help you in here? It is crazy to ignore godly counsel just because the circumstances tend to contradict it. I said it is crazy for you to ignore godly counsel just because the circumstances you see contradict it. If God said, wait in the harbor, I don't care how it looks, wait in the harbor. Paul knows he has to go to Rome. He's just saying right now is not a good time. Let's wait. But they followed the crowd. The majority is not always right. When the people of Israel got to the promised land, you know the story. They sent out 12 spies to search out the land. Ten came back and said, the, the land is beautiful, but we can't go in because there's giants in the land. Two of them came back and said, you know what? That's crazy. They're bread for us. They're toast. We're going to have them for breakfast. We are well able to take the land. God said, it is our land. And Moses weighed out the ten against the two and decided we're not going and it cost them 40 years in the wilderness because they went with the majority. Are you in this place? The kingdom of God doesn't work like the kingdom of this world. Problem with us is that we incorporate the method of the world into the church. I'm going to leave that alone right there before I get in trouble. Watch this. Hallelujah. But in the same way, there were three bad decisions. These three bad decisions led to three typical reactions. Let me give you those three typical reactions. I'm almost done. Watch this. The three typical reactions by the people under pressure. Because, you know, we, we tend to react a certain way under pressure. So watch this. They were driven along by the storm, the Bible says. It got so bad based on their bad decisions that they let go of the helm. They couldn't go against the storm, so they let go, and now the storm was driving them. Oh, God, have mercy. The first thing that storms tend to do is drive our lives. A storm comes to push you around. Are you hearing what I'm saying? To the point where you forget where you were headed. Are you doing all right, church? To the point, hallelujah, where you forget, hallelujah, about everything, and now the crisis is driving you. Do you know where Christ is in your crisis? Because your crisis will reveal your character. If I want to know where a man's character is, I wait for the crisis. Because the crisis is a revealer. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. They didn't have a compass. The storm obscured any light, stars, moon, sun. They didn't know where they were. Have you ever been in that kind of storm? Where you are lost and without direction. And the waves just keep beating you back and forth and tossing you around to the point where you get to a place where you say, How much more 
of this can I take? Next thing you do is that you start discarding values. Uh, you start discarding values. Watch this. The Bible says that one of the things that they did was they started throwing the cargo off of the boat. If not just the cargo, then the tackle. And for those of you who don't know, the tackle is the rigging used to, to, to load and unload stuff on the boat, including the sails. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So first the cargo, then the tackle. Are you in this place, church? God, help me in here. One of the last things to go was the grain. I wish I had time. Was the grain. And the reason they didn't want to let go of the grain is because the grain belonged to the owner of the boat. He was banking on that, hallelujah, for his security. <laughs> let me ask you something in here. What are you holding on to? What are you clinging to that's keeping you from God's purpose? What are you holding on to? It's amazing to me how some people know they have a call of God on their lives and yet they want to cling to something that's actually keeping them from fulfilling their destiny all in the name of having a good time. Oh boy. You don't got to say amen. I'm in somebody's kitchen right now. Hallelujah. And then we start, watch this, getting rid of things that are important to us. And watch this, we even lose some of our values in the storm that we've held on to for a long time. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We, you know, we throw out in despair sometimes or because of the pressure, the dream. It's too much, and we give up on it. The goals, the aspirations, we throw them out. Because we're at a place where we just can't take it anymore, and so we just get rid of all of it. Things that are important to We run out on relationships because we're not bottom heavy. <laughs> because our foundation's weak. So rather than staying, we run. God, help me in this place. And the crisis is driving you. And then finally, you despair of life. Like the text says, you lose all hope. And you can look at me funny if you want to, but some of you have been there. I lost all hope. I got to a place in my life where I couldn't take any more. The text says, and I'm finishing, since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, no small storm was assailing us. From then on, all hope of being saved was abandoned. In an extreme crisis, we eventually get to the point where we despair and we give up. You could throw a man in the ocean, and he's only going to keep his head above the water, but for so long on his own strength. He will get to the place where he will be too tired to continue do I have some real people in the house today? The last thing we throw out, watch this, is hope. But once you've thrown that out, you've reached the bottom of the barrel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are in trouble. Amen? 
we don't desire to surrender to it, but we must, we must because we lack the strength to continue. I wish I had some real people in here today. Hallelujah. We get what I like to call storm weary. We get storm weary because of the winds. We get storm weary because of the waves beating us back and forth. And it just feels like it's one wave after another. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? I'm weary from the anxiety. I'm weary from the stress. I'm weary, hallelujah, from the cold. And I feel hopeless because of the pounding and the strong currents, hallelujah, that keep coming to me. One wave after another. A wave of financial difficulty that can lead to bankruptcy. Come on, somebody. A wave of adultery, a wave of divorce, a wave of an illness that leads to a tumor, that leads to cancer. Come on, somebody. A wave of a loved one that's passed, and then there's another wave coming. Have you ever felt like it's just one wave after another, and you get to the place where you say, Lord, how much more do I have to take? And I got to close. Everybody on the boat is scared. Everybody on the boat has lost hope. Understand who the author here is. He is Luke, the physician, man of God, who is with Paul. And he's the one that pens. We lost hope. Now, I, don't believe, I believe he's speaking for everybody except Paul. Because the Bible says that Paul gets up. Worship team, come up here. Paul gets up and says, hallelujah. And, and I, I want to show you this, hallelujah. Because I think it's powerful. I believe it's verse 23. Throw it up there. I hope it's verse 23. Hallelujah, Jesus. Watch this. Um, he stands up and he says, matter of fact, show me 22. I think it's 22. Okay, here's what he says. He stands up and he says, And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but the ship. Next verse. For there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am, who I belong to. I know who I belong to. And whom I serve. Next verse. Saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Oh, that's powerful. God has given thee all them that sail with thee. And I wish I had time because I would encourage a parent in this place right now who perhaps has a child who is running wayward. Hallelujah. Because when you get to the end of this story down in the 40s verses, uh, you will find, hallelujah, that the challenge at the end was to jump off the boat, amen, and swim to the land. But the apostles' direction was, tell those that can swim to jump first. And then don't worry about those that can't swim. They're going to get there on a piece. 
God help me in here. Watch, 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 watch. So a parent should be encouraged in here. Hallelujah. Because although you know how to swim, because you know how to swim, because you have been walking in your purpose, because you have answered the call of God in your life, the Bible says that God graciously, check the text, graciously gave Paul all those that sailed with him. Not because they deserved it, but because they were connected to him. Graciously. Undeserved favor. God, help me in here. And what you need to understand, hallelujah, parent, is that you just keep swimming. That reminds me of a Disney movie. (laughs) But I won't go there. I got kids. Hallelujah. You just keep swimming and believing and operating in the call of God on your life. And even though yours can't swim, grace will get them there in a piece. Oh, I don't know about you, but that encourages me right there. I got to close, saints. There's so much in this text. I'm going to give you the rest next week. I really, I, I'm telling you the truth when I say that I didn't get up to the good stuff. Because I brought this with me today. Because there's a part of the text, there's a part of the text that says, that they threw four anchors out of the boat in order to stabilize the ship and they began to pray for daybreak. Check the story. And the anchors kept them through the night until the morning. How many of you know that suffering may endure for a night? And while that lasted just a little while for them, I wanted to give you four spiritual anchors that you need to stabilize your ship in your stormy season. And you need these. And I got them from the text by watching a stormtrooper in action. And there were four anchors. And you need these. But if you really want them, You're going to have to come next Sunday. You're going to have to come next Sunday. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet in this place and give God praise.